0: This is episode 29 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional, intuitive, and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two. And in it, we're exploring healers. Specifically, how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy. Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's Anna. And today on the Soul of Sensitivity podcast, you've got me. I have some, some important things have been bubbling up to the surface for me that I think are really applicable to all highly sensitive people. So I wanted to take this podcast episode to talk about those things. And what we're going to talk about is, you know, a really natural pattern for us highly sensitive people, which is to get overwhelmed, particularly within life's transitions. So that conversation with myself is coming up in just a minute. But let me start with an introduction. First, I'm going to apologize for my voice. Um, it's been a long few weeks of illness in my home. My son got sick about three weeks ago now. And then the next week, my husband and I were sick and I have asthma, and so whenever I get a lung infection, it takes quite a while for things to clear out. So if you're hearing me feeling or sounding kind of stuffed up, I am. Um, I feel fine. I don't seem to have any, um, you know, any energy effects. Um, from this trailing cough, but I'm a little bit stuffed up and I don't sound so great. So I hope that you'll bear with me through this conversation. In personal news, I'm really glad that we're out of eclipse season. (laughs) Like really, really glad. Does anybody feel like when the, the planet started going direct, like it really felt like a shift in gears to me? And I just noticed that in my life, places where there was a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort, it it was as if I was driving my, you know, manual transmission Suzuki Sidekick back in the, that I had back in the 1990s. And it was like, oh, we just shifted into a much more appropriate gear for how, you know, how fast the engine was going. So that's been a relief to me. And that's not that everything is figured out, you know, it's not like everything in in my life feels smooth now, but at least it feels much more manageable um, and as if my system is supported in handling what's coming at me. So that's really, really nice. And in fact, I am leaving tomorrow for a five-day vacation with my husband, without our son, which has never happened in the 22 months of my son's life. We have never been away from him on a vacation for the two of us. He spent some time in his grandparents' house without us while we did chores. I've had to go away for various work functions, as so as my husband. But we've never, like, gone on vacation together. So this is like like a new frontier for us, and we're really excited. We're going to drive up from Seattle and spend some time in Whistler, British Columbia. In a condo with a hot tub and I'm hoping to do some downhill mountain bike riding. I really love to ride my bike really fast downhill. My husband is totally up for it, so we're going to do that, probably spend some time hiking and just really enjoying being with each other and being in a really beautiful location. So um, I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday, September 5th. So by the time you hear this, I should actually be on my way back from that vacation. So yay for vacations when we can fit them in, right? And, And we need to fit them in. The other thing that's been going on just personally is it's it's almost fall, y'all. I mean, are you feeling this? I love this time when it's still warm out, but it gets cool in the mornings and at night, and the light changes. That's the very first thing that I notice, and I noticed this, oh, probably two weeks ago. The light just shifts in a way that says, oh, it's fall. And the next thing that I notice is that everything starts to smell a little bit different, which I love. And it, when I lived in Southern California, that was the only thing that I noticed. I, I, all of a sudden things would smell differently and the light would change. And that was it. That was the only seasonal difference, you know, besides like a very, um, minor temperature difference. Right. And now the leaves are starting to drop from the trees and, it's we're in a transition you know and in the United States this is when kids start to go back to school and there's just a shifting of gears all around and those of you who are sensitive like I know you get this like you're feeling you're probably feeling that shift right we're shifting into something something a little bit differently people get tend to get a little bit more organized in the fall especially if they have children and have taken vacations in the summer Uh, it's usually a good time for a small business owner more clients start to come out of the woodwork as they get more focused on um, on what they want to realize for themselves in the next few months before the end of the year So the majority of what we're gonna talk about today, what I wanna talk to you about is this transitional time and how we as highly sensitive people do transitions different. But before we go there, thank you for everyone who came to the Sacred Pampering event last Saturday, September 1st. It was amazing. It was amazing. So for those of you who are maybe listening in a, at a future time or not sure what this event is about, I hosted a sacred pampering event, which was an event for the students from the School for Sacred Rebellion to share the new skills they have giving aura readings, or aura healings, and intuitive readings. So This was a free event where, if you lived in Seattle, you could walk in to the event. We hosted it at this lovely arts building, the Fremont Abbey Arts Center. You could walk in, um, put your name on a list, and hang out until we had some space for you available to get a free energy, healing, or intuitive reading with one of our students. And we were so busy that my co-instructor, Heidi, and I had to step in um, and give readings and healings as well. And it was amazing. We created a a little kind of lounge area. It was a pretty big room. Like This is an event space where they host concerts and weddings and all kinds of things, and in one corner of the room, um, we created this cozy little lounge with couches and chairs and a rug, and we had really great food for sensitive tummies. And I had printed out tons of information about the refuge for Sacred Rebellion for the school. I had my um, ebook, uh, You're a Goddamn Magical Unicorn, um, which you know, is right now the, the free gift that you get when you opt into my newsletter. I had those printed out and people got to take them away for free. And Seattle is known for not being the friendliest place. And when you're an adult in Seattle, if you, if you move here, you'll get it. Like it's, there's a thing known as the Seattle freeze or the Seattle chill, where it's just known that, that people don't tend to be as friendly here for whatever reason. And that could be a whole episode in and of itself. But I had longtime Seattleites who walked in and said, "It feels amazing in here," and they would sit down in the lounge because there was there was a bit of a wait uh, to receive your reading or healing, and and everyone was talking to each other. People were meeting each other and um, getting to know one another and, and getting new friends, and it was it was like we were able to create a bit of a sanctuary. In Seattle, and that felt wonderful. And there were several of you who joined us online, and we did have a little bit of a snafu with the online space, realizing that wow, the Wi-Fi um, at our space wasn't strong enough to host uh, um, as many things at once as we thought. So we were able to to give everyone a call and get everyone there reading. Um, But thank you for hanging in there with us. It felt really great to be able to have you join us from across the country, from across the world, and know that you are part of that event as well. The event was such a success that we will be doing another one. We're just not sure when. So keep your eyes and ears out for that because it was really fun and we cannot wait to host uh, something again and we learned a ton from it. So there will be some things that we do a little bit differently Um, you know, in order to make it go a little bit more, more smoothly. This was a rite of passage for my students. Everyone spoke afterwards that they felt like they had kind of leveled up. The event, they were so busy in the event that there was no time to think about, oh my gosh, what if I, blah, blah, blah. It was just read, 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 or heal, heal, heal. You know, and of course they had time to to make separations and make sure that they were staying energized and performing this work in a way that kept them safe. All of that was still available to them, and we had let's see one, two, three, four, five, about five students and four were on the floor at once. We had some shifts. Um, So between the four students that were able to participate, plus myself, Heidi, and then another Heidi who I uh, brought in, we gave 42 readings in four hours, readings or healings, which was a lot. It was it was a big day. I felt really happy with the event. I felt like, wow, I was able to put this school and these students out there in a way that helps to continue to legitimize this work, this profession, this ancient knowledge that we have to share with the world. And that felt amazing for me. Leading up to the event, as I'd said earlier, we had this sickness in our home and what that created was a bit of a scramble. Staying home with a sick child was a compromise on getting tasks done in a way in, in the manner and in the time frame that feels good to me. And so it was a bit of a scramble for me to get everything together for the event, which I did, under, you know, under pressure, and then when the event day was over, I was exhausted. And the next day, I had to be, well, actually, I came home from the event, event, and I had to be a mom to my my almost two-year-old son. And then the next day, it was just back to, you know, uh, being a mother and being a wife. We went to, you guys, we went to REI and Costco the next morning after an event. Like, talk about overstimulation. I actually kind of lost it, where I finally told my husband, I was like, I'm, I'm just flooded right now. I'm completely overstimulated. I need to go just sit in the restroom for a minute. He was like, all right, we have good communication. So he's like, all right, you you know, you do you and I'll, I'll take our son and, you know, put some more things in our cart. So I was able to get back and I found myself um, that afternoon thinking like, wow, okay, what happened? And these words came through my mind, which was that Anna, highly—you know this—highly sensitive people we don't do as well in transitions. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But before I forget, I want to thank my newest Patreon members, Andreas and Christy. Thank you so much for your your patronage to support this podcast and support the work that I'm doing here. It demonstrates to me that you like what's happening here, that you you like this work and you want to see it continue. So thank you so much. Transitions, let's talk about them. When I'm talking about a transition, I'm talking about anywhere in our life that we need to shift gears. Our everyday life is full of transitions. Just take a normal day, for example. We wake up, we have to then fall asleep at some point, we transition from a relaxed state or a a personal state into our work, we have breaks at work where we transition out of our work and into a more relaxed state. We transition in and out of mealtimes, if we take vacations, if we're able to take vacations, we transition in and out of those we pack for them. We have to unpack for them. We have to get into the mode of being on vacation and then come back from that mode. And then within our life, there are transitions as well. There's, you know, we, we often move to different locations and different homes. We might move from a home. We might move to a whole different town, which is a big transition. We have the transition of marriage or partnership or of breakups or divorce we have the transition of becoming parents, stepping into a new job. All of these things are transitions. And the bigger the transition, I found, the more time that us highly sensitive people need. So let me talk about what that means. If you recall from my writing and from some of the podcast episodes and episode. Uh, it, podcast episodes in season one, we talk about what categorizes, what characteristics make up being highly sensitive, and that's often talked about with the the DOES acronym. So the D stands for depth of processing, the O stands for overstimulation, the E stands for emotions or emotional um, sensitivity or empathy, and the S stands for sensitivity to su- subtle stimuli. So let's break down that acronym and talk about what happens for highly sensitive people within a transition. So let's use um, the transition of of needing to leave the house, to to go out. Say you're just going to the store, you're going to an event, something like that. Let's start with the D, the depth of processing. When we have somewhere that we need to go or something that we need to do, we often spend a lot of time thinking, right? Thinking about what do I need to pack? What do I need to prepare? How do I want that to feel? And, you know, we can kind of get stuck in our thoughts sometimes, or perhaps we're in a creative flow. Maybe we're finishing up another task because we're in a creative flow, and and we can actually um, not be aware of the passing of time. So we can we can start to get a little bit late because we're we're not really sure about the passing of time. We've gotten stuck in a project. In fact, I have a timer right now or I'm watching the clock really closely because I know that at noon I've got to talk to the refuge group and I know that when I get talking on a podcast, I lose track of time because I'm in the flow. Right? So you know, we'll we'll get in this depth of processing. You know, our our process for getting ready for something, for some sort of transition, it's a big process. We're pulling on a lot of our memory, our long term memory. Our systems are are working really hard, so that can sometimes start to get us a little bit behind, particularly if we get uh, kind of you know stuck in the flow. Not that getting in the flow is stuck, but you hear what I mean. And so the result of that depth of processing is often overstimulation because if we're thinking and, and you know, as I'm getting ready for this vacation tomorrow, I'm starting to feel this because... I'm still playing catch up from being sick. So I've scheduled more clients and meetings today. I'm working to get this podcast out, right? And I'm already thinking about what do I need to pack? Okay, we're going to Canada, we're riding bikes. Okay, what do I need to pack? I have to get my son ready. So I, I get either in the flow with these projects or I start thinking about everything that needs to be done. And I start to get a little overstimulated because my brain is trying to hold so many things right? I've got like too many balls in the air, basically. And so just as an FYI, what do I do when I have too many balls in the air? Well, I set them down on paper, which means I start to write them out so that I'm not having to hold them in my mind anymore. And I find that pretty calming for my system. So but when we're overstimulated, that makes our thinking less efficient, right? Because when we get into a bit of sympathetic dysregulation, where our nervous system is in a, in a type of fight, flight, or freeze response. We're in a little bit of overdrive. That by nature, the brain science of that is that it makes our um, neofrontal cortex, our, our um, uh, real cognitive thinking abilities, less efficient. We have a di- more difficult time accessing it because our nervous system is saying, danger, danger, you know, there's a stressor coming up. So you need to pay attention to the stressor. And then we notice that we notice that we're not thinking as well, right? We, we can sense that. So we sense that and then we're like, oh crap, I need more time, okay? We hate to be rushed because we actually need more time. <laughs> so then the E, the emotion, empathy kicks in. And this starts to lead to worrying about the others or worrying about what we're forgetting. So say we're going um, somewhere and we're going to keep, we're going to hold people up. The highly sensitive person starts to get worried about their feelings. We start to, oh my gosh, I'm going to start letting them down. I'm going to, I hate being late to things because I, I, um, I really empathize with somebody else's time, you know, it's really important, um, and, and yeah, it makes me really anxious to be late because I, I don't like um, I don't like stepping on somebody else's time. Or we can be thinking about what we're forgetting, which I can totally relate with today. That's why I've got my list to write it down. Any time I think of something, I just pull out the list and I write it down, right? So we're in the e of our of our acronym here, and then we're going into the s, the sensitivity to subtle uh, subtle stimuli which is that in all of the tasks that we're doing to prepare, we notice the small things about what we're doing. This is just part of how our brains work, how our systems work. So even as I'm recording this podcast, which is kind of a big overall project, I'm looking at the sound and noticing, oh gosh, maybe I should be a little bit further away from the microphone. I'm looking at the time going, okay, am I gonna get this in the time period that I have allotted, right? So even though I'm in this flow of thoughts, got this depth of processing um, I uh, you know my emotion and my empathy is is noticing and thinking about what I could be forgetting and, and getting a little bit worried I'm also noticing all of the subtle details about the task that I'm currently doing. we need extra time all right that is something that if 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 I, Yeah, I'm not even going to say it like that. We need extra time in transitions because of how our systems work. And here again, um, like so many other things, is where we fight the cultural norm and the cultural narrative about what's appropriate. We need extra time in transitions isn't always what the cultural narrative says that we should have or what should be allowed and particularly doing during the larger life transitions. So we kind of use an example about going out to town or going out to an event, right? But think about examples of like moving into a new house, moving to a new city or location, becoming a parent. Those are really really big transitions. I know that for me, when I looked at, um, you know, having my child a couple of years ago, looking at maternity leave, going, okay, well, you know, most women in America take about three months. So like, sure, I'll take three months. That didn't work. Because guess what? I need more time in transitions. I ended up taking closer to, to five or six months maternity leave. Because my, my system hadn't adjusted yet. Um, everything was, was new again. So as you consider the way that you structure your day, the way that you structure your life, and I know that us HSPs don't always like structure, it's important where you can to build more time into transitions. So that you're... It can make from the outside, it can make it seem like you're doing less. And in a way, in a way that's true, but when you give yourself more time, you're much more capable of being productive in that moment. And you know, not that productivity is all of, you know, what it's about, but when we have more time in transitions, we're able to stay more grounded, we're able to stay more healthy. Um, our systems stay more regulated. And that, that's just better for everyone. Ayurvedic medicine has some stuff to say about transitions. And this is really important as we move into this fall season. So let's talk about like the energy of transitions. Okay, so in, in Ayurveda, Ayurveda categorizes everything in nature by Characteristics. So for example, if we're looking at the characteristics around high sensitivity, right? High sensitivity, if we describe it, it's got a lot of there's a lot of information running through a system, so it's highly mobile. There's a lot of movement within that system, just the way that information moves in the nervous system. So it's very mobile. It's very light, right? We're subtle sensors. We 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 are kind of in those light upper realms. Um, And high sensitivity is, you you could call it subtle, right? Because we're able to pick up on the most subtle details uh, of the world. And as particularly as opposed to dense sensing people, so non-highly sensitive people, tend to be a little bit more earthy. They might feel a little bit more solid or stable right uh, and and to, more more like a mountain than the wind so i think of highly sensitive people as being you know we have this ability to process a lot of information really quickly that's more like the breeze coming through and picking up the 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 information on the wind whereas non highly sensitive people are more apt to be like the lake or a mountain like they're they're more solid they're more stable and and One is not better or worse than the other, right? In nature, we need all of the elements, uh, but we can use these, or Ayurveda uses these characteristics to start to understand, well, what causes more balance in an individual and in nature? So Ayurveda is basically saying the same thing as we talked about with the DOES acronym, but in a different way. So another transition that we could talk about are seasonal transitions, Ayurveda says that whatever is happening out in nature, the macrocosm of nature, is happening in the microcosm of our own bodies. So, in the US and in the Northern Hemisphere right now, we're transitioning away from summer, from the heat of summer, and into the fall. And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere right now and in a place where there are recognizable seasons, you might look outside. I'm looking outside my window right now and noticing what's going on. Well, there's a breeze and there wasn't a breeze most of summer. There's there's a breeze. Um, Leaves are turning colors. They're drying out. There's a dryness from kind of that parched end of summer. Some leaves are falling from the trees and there's a sense of change in the air. Any seasonal shift is a transition, right? And you know it's a transition. <laughs> you know it's a transition because you have to get dressed like three times, right? It's cold, and then it's warm, and then it's too warm, and then it's cold again, right? That's a, tr- that's a seasonal transition right there. The characteristics of fall itself, fall as its own season, like I said, the leaves are drying out, so it gets dry, There's a breeze. It's light and mobile, just like highly sensitive people. And in Ayurvedic medicine, the the general rule of thumb is that like increases like, whereas opposites reduce. So that's the idea. If I have something dry and I add something else dry to it, it gets drier. Whereas if I have something that is dry, and I add something wet, that dry thing becomes wetter, right? So like increases like and opposites reduce. So we are entering into a season that has very similar characteristics to those which are already highly present within us. And whenever we have more of of the thing, the major elements and characteristics that are within us, there's a greater potential for those things going out of balance. This is important to understand the energy, the subtle energies of the world around you because you do sense them and you know you sense them, right? When we move into the fall season, here's what happens. I start to get emails and calls and texts from clients saying, I don't know what's going on, but I don't know if I can handle my emotions right now. I don't, all of a sudden, I'm on overwhelm all the time, or I'm feeling really dark, or uh, basically like something is wrong, something's out of balance. And part of what supports that pattern happening is being highly sensitive in the fall all right so as we move into this fall season note that the the things that are difficult about managing high sensitivity are about to get bigger and more pronounced and this is not at all to create any sort of fear or um fear around this, but it's to help you understand what you're working with so that you can take the steps to create balance, right? If like increases like and opposites reduce, then now we can be thinking of routines, foods, and lifestyle choices that reduce the symptoms of um, like our, our overwhelming symptoms of sensitivity, All right, so when we think about the things that balance high sensitivity or these light, dry, really subtle, mobile uh, characteristics, then we look to their opposites. So we look for activities and things that are heavy and moist and warm and stable. One of the, the, the best things that we can do right now moving into the fall, is to really solidify our daily routines. To solidify the times that we are transitioning to sleep, the time that we are aiming to be asleep. Solidify that hour of the day that we are waking up. Build some time into that transition so that we can come into a fully awake state in which we're ready to face the day, you know, have a morning routine that is simple, but stabilizes us, centers us, grounds us, and start now creating a little bit more space in your day for these transitions, particularly as you go into the fall. Ayurvedically, the things that I often recommend to my clients and my students at this time is to start a practice of abhyanga. Abhyanga is an an Ayurvedic term for a a warm oil massage. And this is something that it sounds a little out of the box uh, whenever I talk about it. And then when I have my students do it, I, I almost always get rave reviews. So a warm oil massage, and I'll put a link to a video about how to do this, but it's basically a self-massage with some warm, you know, natural oil in which you are putting loving intentions on your body to prepare it uh, for the day or to clear it from the day if you take your, your bath or shower at, uh, at the end of the day. And, and oil uh, in Sanskrit has, is the same the, the same word is used for oil and love. There's a connection energetically between things that build up the body and love. So when we uh, rub ourselves with oil daily, we are calming the nervous system down. We're balancing the nervous system. We're putting a real gentle layer of protection on the skin and we are um sending loving kind thoughts to our body to to help center it and help keep it safe right so that's one practice the the other practice is to start eating really locally if you don't already and the thing about eating locally is that nature provides us with exactly what we need to stay balanced in each season so You'll start seeing uh, delicata squash and root vegetables and things like that come out right now. Root vegetables, things that grow in the ground or grow right on top of the ground like that are very grounding. Making those in warm uh, soups or stews are very calming to the nervous system. So um, those types of foods are really helpful for the season. And then also eating with intention so if you think of the energy of multitasking while you eat, that energy is light and mobile, and you know your attention is everywhere. If instead you focus just on what you're eating, you take ten minutes, ten minutes to eat your meal undistracted, your nervous system will thank you and it will calm down. So these are just some of the suggestions that I have. Um, I have more suggestions, but when you're thinking about moving into this fall season. Start to think about heavy, stabilizing, comforting activities that you can do to help balance your natural system. If you're looking for a place to practice these things, I'm just going to pitch it again. My Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, my membership group, is always open for new members. We are going to be taking special care of our members this fall as we move into this more difficult season. So let me tell you what's coming up. Starting on Tuesday, September 18th, we're starting our next round of sensitive self-defense training within the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. These are my basic spiritual or energetic hygiene tools for managing your own energy. Because here's the thing, when you learn to manage your own energy to know what it feels like to be you in there, then you know what it feels like when there's foreign energy or outside energy or someone else's emotions in your space and how to easily separate from it. These tools are my basic tools and they've been life-changing for myself and for other members of the group So for $19 a month, you can hop in September. We're going to take six weeks to go through all of these tools about how to really be in practice in a grounding uh, and grounded way, working with your own energy. Once we get through October in the refuge, November is going to be all about how to alchemize and be with difficult dark emotions. We're actually going to have kind of a book club of one of my favorite books. Miriam Greenspan's Healing Through the Dark Emotions is a brilliant, brilliant book and really, really important for highly sensitive people Um, because November is when all the darkness starts to come out, right? I live in the Pacific Northwest. It gets really dark here And that's the same invitation, again, inside my microcosm is going to mirror what's happening in the macrocosm. So there's an invitation there to handle the dark emotions that have just been out of sight for a bit. So within the refuge, we're going to walk you through really healthy practices for dealing with those those darker days. That's what's happening in the refuge. Transitions take extra time for us highly sensitive people. This is another one of those things that we do differently than the majority of everyone else. And it's valid. The way that our systems and our brains work is important. It's important when we look at humanity as a whole. It's important that we have sensitive individuals. And so know that you take extra time in transitions and it's okay to ask for what you need to keep yourself healthy because you are just as important as everybody else even though you need to do things differently. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.